What's good, y'all? My name is Dylan Green, and this is Real Notes, a space dedicated to blurring the cultural and artistic lines between rap and film. I'm here to chop it up with everyone from rappers and producers to journalists and video directors about their relationship to movies and how, if at all, film inspires their craft. My guest this week is artist manager, independent label head, streaming account manager, and former DJ Soko. We spoke about Atlanta, Ghostbusters, Batman, the art of collecting, growing up in Michigan, the greater Detroit rap scene, his work with Journalist 103 and Apollo Brown as the left, the life, death, and rebirth of his indie label left to center, and how the many different jobs he's had within hip-hop led him to where he is today. Come fuck with us. What's cracking, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome back to Real Notes. Um, it's, 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 uh, it's been a time. It's been a, it's been a good week. Lots of crazy shit's happening. I have a working dryer for the first time in two weeks. So that's, that's, that's pretty tight. Um, happy Friday. It's not Friday. It's, it's Wednesday when you're hearing this, but I, I, I yeah, I love y'all. Um, Dylan Green, Cinema Sai. I got a lot of names and do a lot of things um, all over the place, but um, I got somebody else who's been who has quite a few names. Not a, not a super not not a super crazy amount of names, but he's got some names. He's done a lot of shit. He's been he's been in this industry for a while. He's he's gone. He's been a damn. You've been you've been a DJ. You've been a manager. You've been, um, I believe, maybe a producer. Correct me if I'm wrong at some point. No, he's not. A, he's, he's shaking his head. He was never a producer. I'm, I'm a bad friend. Um, but but this man, this man has been all over the place. He's worked with he's worked with a lot of your favorites. He's uh, he's a native son of Detroit. And uh, this is Soko. We got Soko in the building today, man. It's um. Soko, so, um, Soko and I have been friends for probably about goddamn, must be like six or seven years at this point. One, I think, I think you might have been the first interview I ever did over when I was over at WatchLoud.com, and you know, things just kind of developed, and this is the homie now. So, Soko, thank you so much for being here. Like, I know, uh, just thank you. I, I don't know, like, just thank you for being here, and thank you for nah, putting up with for... my bullshit. Like... No, 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 nothing to put up with. Thank you for having me. Um... I've been kind of teasing on on Twitter because I was like, "Yo, I'm gonna be on one of my favorite podcasts next week because this is because Real Notes is legit one of my favorite podcasts." Only Thank correction, you, only correction to your intro I would make is DJ, uh, label, indie label owner, right? Indie label. Oh, I forgot yeah, about no, Left the Center. I was gonna say that in the nah, intro it's all too. Good. I'm so bad. It's all good. Um, artist manager, and then everything yeah. else that I've done centers around either label manager at uh, a company release manager at a company but uh most recently on the day job front streaming account manager for secretly distribution working on their mm-hmm. digital marketing team and then the only other correction i would make is not native son of detroit i would say michigan um detroit area like metro detroit area it's always tricky speaking about like the geography of that to anybody right. who's who's not from there because I grew up like a 20 to 25 minute drive outside of Detroit city limits, but it's, so it's like middle-class suburbs. So like, it's not Detroit and anybody from Detroit hearing that would be like, Oh, this motherfucker. Right. So, you know what I mean? But it's yeah. hard to explain that sort of geography 
to to like New Yorkers or people from LA or people from Atlanta. Well, maybe Atlanta because a lot of Detroiters live in Atlanta, so they would understand it. Right. But yeah, man. Um, but yeah, no, no, definitely came up in the Detroit hip hop community. Um, you know what I mean? Always was around the city of Detroit, have a deep love for the city of Detroit. But yeah, I'd be doing a disservice to say that I was a resident. Um, I was like in proximity, grew up in Metro Detroit area. So I uh, just wanted to, for the homies back home, I just wanted to make sure to make that clarification, yeah. you know? No, 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 that's, no, that's per. And yeah, I also knew that. I'm just. <laughs> no, you're <laughs> good. Brain. You're good. You, you've had a day. I, you have, you've had a day. I already know. <laughs> um, But yeah, no, like to, but, but just to jump off of what you said about the, about the areas in relation to Detroit, it's kind of like how, like, I, like, like I'm about 20 minutes away from Newark, but I'm yeah. not, but I'm not from or live in Newark. So I get exactly what you mean. I mean, it's still kind of like, you know, you know, the geography is a little different even in Jersey than it is, you know, based in Michigan, but like, it's yeah, kind of sort of the same idea. Yeah. It'd be like, it'd be like somebody from Queens being like, I'm from Manhattan. You're not yeah. from Manhattan. You're, you're from like the New York metropolitan area. Exactly. You know what I mean? Or like somebody um, who lives in Burbank being like, I'm from LA, you know? It's like you're 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 close, but nah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to get you in trouble because I know. I I know. I know. Nah, I actually. I, get I ain't worried. I ain't worried about. I ain't worried about getting in trouble. It's just I never want to disrespect like, um, the extended family. You know, people I consider family from the right. city. You know what I mean? I I just I guess like. I don't know that 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 shit is sacred you know what i mean claiming you're from detroit that shit's sacred just like i'm sure um understanding you know hometown pride with with new york like claiming you're from brooklyn like you need to be from here you know what i mean to claim that shit so totally but bro thank you again just like thank you for being here i like no thank you for having me man no nah, man i know you've been asking but either like it just i don't know that's just like it's special to me you know like it, it's like it's special to me because i wasn't like, asking i was hinting no nah, no nah, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm i'm playing <laughs> i was, oh, hinting. Okay, no, I was but... like that's i was like that's a cool podcast you have there man like you know <laughs> we're, we're we're getting off to such a we getting off to such a great start already <laughs> It just matters. It just ma- It just matters to me. It just matters to me. Like when like my friends are like doing shit like that, you know, like it just means that you care. And I appreciate the fact that you care. So thank you. No, of course, man. <laughs> Likewise. Likewise. It's uh, it's a dope. It's a dope podcast, man. I like the things that you talk about. Um, I like the, the folks that you have on here. It's, it's dope. Thank you so much, bro. So let me ask you. So let me ask you the same question. I ask everybody who comes on here. What sure. was the last movie or TV show that you watched that you had a strong opinion about? Last, uh, well, I mean, I really love Atlanta. I watched the latest episode of Atlanta mm-hmm. last night, um, and then I missed Abbott Elementary on Wednesday, so I watched that last night as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, I really love Atlanta. A lot of people had like opinions about the way last season was formatted and kind of like had opinions about how this season is formatted. I think the biggest complaint I've read on, on Twitter is like, Oh, how come it's not following, you know, the, the urn Darius, 
Paperboy storyline, like their journey. And sometimes it'll like center around uh, a random set of characters, you know, like uh, what did they call that shit? They called it like an art piece episode or art house episodes or whatever. Yeah, like, um, um, I'm like one offs or like, yeah, like yeah. that general idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that shit. Like I, I enjoy it. So, um, other than Atlanta, what was the last that I had a strong opinion of? Oh, Morbius. That shit was ass. Oh man. You finally, <laughs> you, you actually watched. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I was at home with the wife and it was like on sale, I think on Amazon prime or Xbox or something. And, and we, mm-hmm. we rented it and we watched it and my wife said, Oh, it wasn't, that terrible but i think she was trying to give it the benefit of the doubt of like it was like really fucking bad but it wasn't that bad or <laughs> what i don't right. know you know what i mean yeah. like but it was it really did. fucking bad i hated that shit i was on my phone most of the time until it was over i was like this shit is ass juice like <laughs> see it see it looked awful and i haven't i haven't um it's on netflix now so i haven't um i haven't I want to try it just because, but I'm not, I'm just not there yet. I can't bring myself to do it. And uh, yeah, I, I, I just, I've, I've been hearing nothing but terrible things and like any, like, like any movie that inspires people to meme it to the point where it starts to make money. That's like, that's a yeah. bad movie. That's a bad fucking movie. Um, but as far as Atlanta goes, um, I was also I was also one of those people who wasn't a hundred percent field in the one-off episodes in season three. Um, there were a couple that I liked, but the rest I really could have done without. It really um, my whole my whole issue was that like a lot of those episodes felt like a uh, one thing that's really always one thing I've always loved about Atlanta is that uh, it really feels it really feels like for us by us in in like just like in terms of just like being black and watching the show and a lot of those episodes kind of felt like they weren't they kind of felt like they were like explainers for everyone else and it Mm -hmm. just kind of took me out of the it just kind of took me out of the whole environment that Atlanta had established for itself not 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 even in the sense that it wasn't following the characters but just in the sense that it was like this no longer feels like a it just kind of feels like they're trying to get at people who aren't a part of either rap culture or black culture. And just like, you could like, like I guess that's just my nice way of saying it feels like it was made for white people, you know, like <laughs> in, I, I in, in, in a lot of ways. I don't like hearing white people talk about the show Atlanta. I'll just be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but like, like, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I can't explain why. And, and I'm not like prejudiced either obviously you, you've known me long enough to know that yeah, yeah but like yeah, I, know. I, I don't know why and then also the other thing because like the show the wire mm-hmm. that I, I mean i know that was like david chase a white man you know what i mean yeah. but at the same time I, I would have the same feeling hearing white people talk about the wire so the same feeling i would feel when i'd hear white people talking about the wire is the same feeling that i feel when i hear white people talking about atlanta <laughs> i just like it makes you feel like kind of weird I don't, I don't know yeah it, it's it's a uh, it's a uh, I really can't think of many other shows that really kind of like dig into this shit the way that Atlanta does and that's what and like it's been it's been so refreshing to see season four get back to kind of the same or like a similar format as the first two seasons like I, I I didn't see last night's episode yet but like I really do feel like Atlanta's been firing on all cylinders this whole season so far like like season four has been just 
it's it, it's 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 just been nothing but hits to me. Um, uh, I think the last yeah you know, um yeah the last one I saw was the was the Tyler Perry, mm-hmm. um 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 the Kirkland Chuck. <laughs> they really called this man Mr. Chocolate. I'm so upset. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny, but um yeah no season four of Atlanta has been great. Um, I'm really excited to see how it all ends because apparently the ending is going to be real nice. Uh, Zazie Beats, who plays Van, was talking about how she and Donald Glover were like really just uh, reveling in how nice of an ending they gave Atlanta. And just like, you know, it, it's, it's always crazy to start watching a show when you're like, because like because Atlanta started, I think I was, I mean, I was definitely in my early 20s. And now mm-hmm. I'm 30 and Atlanta's about to be over in like four weeks. And yeah. it's kind of wild. Just, just, just like seeing the ride and how long it took for, uh, how long it took for season three to, or, or, or how long it took for seasons three and four to come out because of the pandemic. And the fact that, you know, the whole cast just got so busy, but like, it's just been a real crazy experience with this show and i'm kind of grateful for it in a lot of different ways and i'm just grateful for uh it's just been great i wish i had more to say about it right now but i'm probably going to save that for when the actual show is over but atlanta's dope it always always has been for the most part <laughs> but no, i'm fucking with it it's, it's a great show it's a great show i like i really enjoy it and i like i really enjoy like absorbing the show and un- like not just being entertained but but absorbing what the, the message might be you know behind certain episodes but it, it is interesting it is like really important what you said about like the show feeling like for us by us like like for black people by black people like like i think that I guess what I'm saying is when, like when I watch that show and I, I absorb it and I'm entertained by it, but also like absorbing whatever message is being conveyed. Like, I think that, I mean, I don't know about other people, but I, I like when I'm watching it, I do have a general understanding that like there's certain things that are not going to connect fully with me. You know what I mean? Like, like certain messages that I'm not going to understand as well because I haven't, lived those experiences from firsthand experience i don't know does that make sense like it does yeah like i feel i feel like sometimes um when we absorb certain shows or movies just understanding the cultural context you know what i mean because like i don't know i feel like everything everywhere all at once like there were a lot of cultural things in there as an asian american that i really connected with that I'm sure non-Asian Americans wouldn't connect with in the same way. Yeah, I can I can yeah, definitely so like, attest to that for sure. That's a great example. So, so like when people, I, I guess that's something that I've noticed when people bring up like art, kind of similar to how white people were talking about the Oscar slap with Chris Rock <laughs> and Will Smith. Sometimes it makes me uncomfortable because mm-hmm. it's like there's certain lived experiences that you don't understand unless you're from that culture. You know what I mean? Or right. like or that you shouldn't necessarily be speaking on unless you're from that culture. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, so that's kind of a little bit of a tangent, but yeah, it, but it's going back to what you were saying about the show. And I totally agree with that for sure. Damn. He could have, he could have, he could have killed him though. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> fucking, nah, fucking nah. Judd Apatow. 
Yo, he's a, he's a lame for tweeting that. Seriously, he he truly is, man. It's I I just I I like it's so crazy that like like that happened this year, bro. It feels like if it, yeah. like like it feels like four years happened. It like four years of time went past. It feels like four years of time has gone by over the course of the last eight months. It's so weird, but um yeah <laughs> um i yeah i've i like i feel like i've talked enough about everything everywhere all at once on this show but like just one more time i love that movie maybe my favorite thing i've seen all year it's fucking incredible um i cried after i think i might have called my mom after i'm pretty sure i did i hope i did um it's a great movie but yeah just fucking fantastic um yeah just i tell everybody i get the chance so just 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 go watch it um but for you, uh, going back to going back to uh, going back to going back to baby Eric and child Eric. Yeah, um, your name is Eric. <laughs> it's yep, so weird. Yep. To call- My name it's, is Eric. Yeah, it's 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 so it's it's still so weird for me to call you Eric, but your name is Eric. At what point in our friendship did you uh, find out that that was my name? Like I knew. Did you, I, did, I, did you find out at the wedding <laughs> back in June? <laughs> No, no, no. I knew I knew the whole time. I just like uh, you, intru- okay. you, you like you introduced yourself to me as Soko and I've just always known you as Soko. And then I and and, and then it was around or it was around the wedding. I, I was talking to Will Ketchum about it. And we and I was like, this is the like, I've never heard this many people call him Eric before. Like I'd heard people Will call say? you that. Will Will and I just laughed about it. Oh, <laughs> we were both just like, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's it's crazy because there's certain people who who only know me as Soko. Some people only know me as Eric. It's it's strange. Like, I've been I've been getting called Soko since I was like in high school, like uh, soft, sophomore year of high school. So it was just kind of a nickname that stuck, and then it became my DJ name when I used to DJ. So. Yeah, it's just one of those things like it kind of depends on the the context like what circle you're being like what circle you're in when you're being introduced to somebody like if i'm at a music thing and it's like like professional nine to five music event type thing people are going to know me as eric so i'm going to be introduced as eric if it's like more more my stuff more off the cuff you know casual like like my things that I'm doing outside of work, but it's still like music related, then people are going to know me as Soko, you know? Right. Definitely. And it, and yeah. it probably introduce me that way. Most likely. Yeah. It, it just, it's just, you know, you, you know, like even as we became friends, I just knew you as, I'm like, I, I even have, cause like I have you in my phone as Eric Soko. I'm going to mess your last name up. How do I pronounce your last name? <laughs> Oh, uh, I'm wait. such a bad friend. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. It's, it's spelled like it's spelled weird. So it's not like the most straightforward. Uh, spelling to to pronunciation, you know, to yeah. the two. But, so it's a uh, rain art. Rain art. I thought I, yeah. see, that's what I was going to say, but I'm just I, I second guess myself. Yeah. When I, was a, when I was a kid, I would just tell my friends like when I was really little, like middle mm-hmm. school they would always mess it up too. So I would just tell them like rain and art and just say it fast. Got you. (laughs) I've literally, I've literally had you as this in my phone since we Uh, became friends, literally like, so yeah. 
Anyway, nice. yeah, y- y- y'all couldn't see, but it's his whole name written out with Soko in the middle. Um, but anyway, so young Soko, Baby young Eric. Eric. <laughs> yeah. So with you, um, what's the first movie experience you can remember having? Um, it could be at the theater, it could be at your cousin house, it could be Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, okay. hands down. Nineteen eighty four Ghostbusters. That was hands down my first movie experience that I can like really remember. It was VHS tape, probably from Blockbuster, RIP for the most part. Yeah, um, yeah for the most part. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was probably from Blockbuster or there was a video store by the crib called Valley's Video. It was over in um, my parents grew up in we grew up in Lathrop Village which is like just outside of this suburb called Southfield it's like kind of inside of it almost so Bally's video was over in this other um town called Berkeley Michigan so Bally's would like they had like the ill popcorn maker so you could take as many boxes as you wanted home like for the kids or like whatever and like they had their rental prices were cheaper than Blockbuster and you could keep the movie out for, I think, a, a day or two extra than Blockbuster would do usually. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming it was from there or it was dubbed because my dad was notorious for renting movies and just dubbing them on blank VHS tapes. He had like 300 movies. Like, I shit you not, like maybe 300, 400 movies. That's so, incredible. Yeah. yeah. So he was, yeah, he was the bootleg tape man before the bootleg tape man so you know what i mean wow um but yeah no it was definitely 1984 ghostbusters and i was hooked i i was like really into ghostbusters i still am to this day after that yeah, you are but that's that's definitely the experience i remember for first cinematic experience that's so beautiful and yeah just as a just as a little addendum to that this man this man sends me all his ghostbusters collectibles every time he gets them like i get like pictures yo man and i see I, it's 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 the yo, best man, I, I got love it. i got uh <laughs> i got a uh i got the proton backpack replica yep. coming in like april oh um, crazy nah man i just i just like collecting stuff you know what i mean because like like you know the, there's a lot of things that i didn't have access to just because they were like expensive as shit and, and yeah like like they they take an adult budget you know what i mean so um and a child's know, I, mentality an adult budget and a child's mentality yeah yeah so so yeah like you know i i have plants around the crib i, I collect plants i also collect collectibles i'm just like man it's just like everybody needs hobbies you know yeah so. man i get it I get it. Like, um, um, I'm a, I'm a you and the rest and everyone listening can't see, but like my room is covered in fucking toys and records and books. Like I'm, I'm, I'm also Damn. big, big, big on collectibles. Like I literally somewhere around here, I, um, um, I just, I just started, I just started building Gundam models, like nice. maybe about a m- couple months ago. I just bought my third one from my favorite, um, from the one, from the one Gundam anime I actually watched called Iron Blooded Orphans, um, nice. and I'm about to, uh, um, I think this weekend I'm about to start building my third Gundam model. So like I, I totally get it. I just think it's great because like you and I just kind of like connect on that level, you know? Like we kind of send each other just like nerd shit, man. Yeah, for real. And like, and, and yeah, and like the last thing you sent me was a bunch of Nerf blasters you had, and one was I think like a Batman 
grappling hook one, right? Or was that just like, or, or was that, or was that just like the Batman grappling hook replica you have? I can't remember. It was the Batman grappling hook replica. The, the okay. one I sent you was actually, it was a, a replica of the pulse rifle from the movie Aliens by James Cameron. Right. And, okay. and, and they made it in like nerf form. And I was like, I have to fucking get this. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, man, like, like, batman star wars uh ghostbusters yeah i mean just yeah i'm I'm into collecting collectibles and records books uh plants um you know what i mean man like just i i don't know man like i i gotta zen out on some nerd shit or some just random shit sometimes you know so that's kind of like my thing aside from like music stuff hip-hop which i love and and working in in hip-hop and also like you know having some of my hobbies and activities based around music and hip-hop i don't know i feel like i'd lose my mind if i didn't have any other hobbies to to kind of fall back on you know yeah no yeah it's it's really like you said you put it perfectly like everybody needs hobbies and yeah. You just need stuff, you know, you just like need other ways to entertain your brain or not even entertain, but just like stimulate your brain that isn't just the one thing you do, you know, like that shit is so important just for like, not even just for like your mental health, but it's just like, it's fun. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I just like, like, it's cool to have hobbies. It's, 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 it's cool to have hobbies. Yeah. I think, you know, honestly, I think the pandemic taught me that it was like, okay to reconnect with a lot of the the things I was into when I was younger because like mm-hmm. um I was one of those people who like a, a lot of my my inner identity was around my job and then like just before the pandemic like a month before the pandemic I lost my job so I think the pandemic like as fucking terrible as it 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 was and I'm not saying it was a good thing I'm just giving context like during that time yeah. is where I like was able to just like do some soul searching and find find or reconnect with things that I was into that wasn't just based around my career like I had to reevaluate um how I was like spending my time and the things I was into and I I just I don't know I just kind of had an epiphany where it's like man like I really have been putting way too much energy into like one facet of my life which was my career and that's it you know what I mean? Like I need to yeah. figure out what are some other things that I like that have nothing to do with like advancing my career or making money. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, you- so I think, I think that's very freeing to find things that you enjoy that you don't necessarily have monetized, you know? Right. And for you, you know, like speaking of that, um, as you get older from the time that you would that you were kind of really into Ghostbusters and Star Wars and all that type of stuff, as you get older and you start experiencing more movies, um, was there ever a, like, like, do you remember the first movie you saw that kind of really touched you on a level outside of just being entertained by it? Like something like it, it doesn't necessarily need to be artful. Like it can be if you want it to be, but it's just like something that really connected with you and was just kind of like this is the power of movie making on some like cliche shit like man that's a great question um so there's a few movie experiences that i had like that that were just different um what i mean by different is like different in the sense of 
how they impacted me in, in like because the one experience I'll, I'll start with is um i was in martial arts as a kid and my martial arts instructor took a bunch of us to and our parents to dragon the bruce lee story in the theaters mm-hmm. when it came out with, with jason i think it was what was his name um brandon scott lee or what a, do you know who i'm talking about you know what actor yeah I'm yeah about. his son right no, sure. no, 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 no. It's the dude who played uh who played Mowgli in Jungle Book, the Asian dude. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, know who I'm talking about. about. It, it was I him do. and Lauren Holly was in it, I think, too. But um, yeah, so we went and saw that. So so what I mean by like the type of impact that had on me was like I was just starting to learn about Bruce Lee at the time and learning about just like how cool that motherfucker was and I'm I'm like eight years old. I probably shouldn't have seen it at that. Well, nah, it's not. It wasn't that bad of a movie. It's PG-13. So when I I saw it when I was eight years old, so like I didn't fully understand all of the cultural significance of it, but it it really resonated with me, and I could feel the importance of representation on the screen because it's like right. I'm eight years old and I'm seeing like this dude. They're telling his story. I had a general idea that this was like a, like a bio biopic, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I'm seeing this and it's just like, this motherfucker's beating everybody up. He's getting applause at these movie premieres and like, he's, you know, filming enter the dragon, you know what I mean? So like it, it touched me in the sense of like, yo, this mother, this dude looks like me, you know what I mean? So, so just at eight years old, understanding representation, the importance of it, but not, knowing the word for it if that makes sense you know what i mean it, like it, it makes it makes perfect sense man like that's yeah. that shit matters to like that shit matters especially to children you know like we don't realize you know like we kind of take it we kind of take it for granted how um how seeing people that look like you from a young age can give you a, can, can like instill confidence in you in a way that's like healthy and productive and you know like bruce lee is he's fucking bruce lee you know, like he was, he was, he was well, one of. The, wasn't that great of a movie in hindsight? But <laughs> I'm, 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 I mean, it, probably it, not. But you know, for, like, I mean, well, for the '90s, it wasn't bad. I just, right. I'm sure they could have done done better with the biopic, and some of the facts were a bit off. So there's mm-hmm. that too. But it, it did what it was was supposed to do for me. You know, in, right. in terms of impact, impact in my life, and understanding how important it is to see like uh different representations of people who look like me on mm-hmm. on tv in film in music um just yeah i think that's yeah it's definitely important because it's like um you know like western culture and i'm sure other cultures too obviously but just speaking in terms of western culture you know they like to put different races into a box like one representation of how Asian Asian people are one representation about how Middle Eastern people are you know what I mean so I think that's that's important and so yeah for me there was that one and then um the other yo the first time I saw the dark knight in theaters um tell me about that That shit was that shit that shit was fucking amazing man um oh my bad I should go back a little further uh in high school when eight mile came out whatever people's opinions are about Eminem now um that just was an important 
movie for the Detroit hip hop community because it was tell it was based on a, a time in Detroit hip hop that actually happened. You know what I mean? Right. And and he had a lot of people from the city of Detroit involved in the film and and being paid as extras and and you know what I mean. So that was a big fucking deal. I remember. I went to the midnight showing on a Thursday. I was still in high school. And I just, I remember going to school the next day, tired as hell. Cause like we went to a midnight showing and the movie was like right. two hours, two and a half hours, whatever. Um, but yeah, that opening credit scene with shook ones, you know, like whatever jokes that have been made about that movie, you know what I mean? Whether it was a good movie or a bad movie. I just know that, that for my state, and the the hip-hop scene that i was interested in it was a big deal when it came out right yeah i can only imagine um it's actually funny you bring that up because i had um um i had my man papo 2004 on and he was talking about how much he preferred um get rich or die trying to eight mile especially but like Mm -hmm. you know it but 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 like but like it is what it is because i remember when eight mile came out and this was like at the point where eminem was like he had like just become the biggest artist in the world and yeah. and like you know like and like of course like lose yourselves on the soundtrack that that movie came out on dvd on my birthday when it came out so like for so like i i always remember that for some reason um it's a movie i haven't watched in a while but like i always have appreciated how important that was not even just for you know like rap in general but like detroit detroit hip hop specifically especially considering that like if i remember correctly like I don't think proof is an actual character, but like one of the characters in the movie is based on proof, right? Well, actually, proof was in the movie. Proof was the first dude. He played Lil Tick. He was the first dude who battled. Um, okay. Who, who did he battle? Yeah, he battled Eminem in the first scene when he choked. Um, it's been it's been too so long so, since so, I've seen so, the so, movie. So so P was actually in the movie, but yeah, Makai Pfeiffer's character was like loosely based on him. And then See, the battles, yeah. yeah, the battles were loosely based on like um the the scene that M came up in, you know, battle wise, like right, like like hip hop shop, you know what I mean? So like mm-hmm. um, which obviously I hope nobody like comes for me about this because I'm not I didn't live through that era, so some of my, my specifics might be off because I didn't wasn't alive like, i was alive when that happened i'm saying i was a kid when that happened you know what yeah, I mean? So, right 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 but uh yeah from what i've been told you know it, like it's loosely based on things that actually happened and it's like yeah like the homies were in it you know miss corona marv one house shoes was an extra not extra but he was in it in, in the background like in the beginning scene yeah. you know what i mean so like it, it was it was a big deal you know so it, it had i had a sense of pride going to see it man i was and i was only in high school so like all all the folks who were who were like involved in the film who were extras or, or had you know roles in the film i was way younger you know what i mean right so i think that was i think in a lot of ways that helped my understanding of the importance of the detroit hip-hop community and then you know fast forward and, and you know i've made my own certain marks on the detroit hip-hop community and i'm in a book that Hex Murda, not I'm sorry, not Hex Murda, Ironside Hex, because he doesn't like being called Hex Murda anymore. Ironside Hex. So for context for listeners, he managed Elza, Danny Brown, Guilty Simpson, Black Milk. Um, I hope I'm not forgetting anything um, or anybody. 
behind that. But yeah, he co-wrote a book with Jenny, with photographer Jenny Risher. Um, it was a mm. photography book that also had text in it covering the whole history of the Detroit hip hop community. And there's like a couple sentences in there that I'm in. And then I'm in a few sections on a list of like Detroit DJs, Detroit based DJs. So yeah, man, like eight mile was like, uh, not the only beginning of being ingratiated into that community, but it was like one of those moments where it instilled a sense of pride for sure. I can only imagine, you know, like, just like, really really just like once again just like representation is extremely important and especially just like representation and like good a good recounting of history can really just do wonders for for anybody but like especially for young people and considering that you know like this is kind of around the time what well i mean like you're obviously like a young man and like doing Mm -hmm. your shit so like when um so like when so like when did music first come into your life um yeah when did music first come into your life I mean, like, my parents didn't listen to the stuff that I listened to. You know what I mean? Sure, or, yeah. or, or like, you know, there, there were certain influences that I'm still a fan of now. Like, my grandma used to listen to Supremes in the car. You know, Motown, um, Temptations, um, and then and there's just like random shit that my dad used to listen to too, like Billy Joel. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, a lot of my like my own probably because my my household was kind of strict, so like we couldn't watch R-rated movies in the house. Like you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. my involvement with with listening to music and, and finding my own musical taste didn't happen to like fifth grade, sixth grade, and that started with like. Um, like Biggie, Wu-Tang, Outkast, you know, um, AT Aliens and Ready to Die were both my first albums that, that I ever owned. Because, um, like, I didn't, I'll be honest with you, man, I didn't really start buying CDs so I was, like, in seventh or eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, yeah, it was definitely Wu-Tang, definitely Biggie, Big Pun, uh, Outkast, and then just like it just you know once you start diving in it just it snowballs you know so it's like okay i gotta get the chronic i gotta get doggy style i gotta get all eyes on me i gotta get um you know what i mean like i'm drawing a blank on some of these album names but just because i'm on the spot and that always happens so yeah but but you get what but you get what i'm saying like that's that's where it started and then also a lot of you know i used to skateboard a lot i skated for like seven years so and I was pretty fucking good. I'm not going to lie. But there was a lot of music that <clears throat> I would get put on through like skate videos. Like, right. Like, I, th- I think the first time I got put on to like hieroglyphics and uh, Big L was through like a skate video. You know what I mean? Man. So, because I would, because that was like Shazam before Shazam, because I would check the end credits like, oh shit, what was, what was the joint that like Stevie Williams was skating to it? you know, mm-hmm. this spot or what was Kareem Campbell skating to at this spot? Like, let me go find this shit, you know? Damn. I was just talking to gang about this a while ago. That's so crazy. Um, wow. A, I had no idea. I, I've known you for seven years and I had no idea you used to skateboard. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know who else used to skate? I was talking to him about it. Um, 
shout out to <clears throat> shout out to Baba Salim Salim Salim. Oh no way! Yeah, wow. yeah, we we're, we're, we're talking about it. Uh, he used to skate, and um, we were talking about just like certain skateboarders that we were both fans of, and like, yeah, man, he was nice too. I think he still skates a bit. He was telling me so. Oh man! Shout out! Shout shout out! Shout out to Salim. He got us. He got us. He got us right for the Rock Marciano Alchemist show. That was a lot of nice. fun. Yeah, <laughs> I had a good time, man. I had a good time, and I I wish I had gotten the um, oxtail sloppy Joe before the show. Damn, we're gonna we're gonna go back there and get that next. You're gonna get that next time because that shit was like. I well, you should go. Uh, you should for for Rome Streets on the twenty second. I think me and some of the homies are gonna go back there before, before the show. So fire, damn, yeah, shit. There's so much going on that night. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Totally. Um. Yeah. Oh, now I'm just hungry. Sorry, you got me, you got me thinking <laughs> nah, about it. <laughs> um. What's it called? So um. Uh. Right. So this is so this is music for you, and as you're uh. You know, like as you're coming up with all these musical and filmic inspirations, like was there ever a moment when you first was there ever a moment when you consciously linked film and music together in your head? I mean, like the skate videos is a pretty good example. But were there any other moments where you kind of had this where you just like linked film and music together as two things that complement one another? I think I think the correlation started clicking for me when I started. I didn't grow up with cable, so there was, I could, there would be certain moments like either at a friend's house or somehow I'd get exposed to like music videos. So I think the cinematic element of music videos, like like uh, Biggie, the warning video, you know what I mean, starting to make the connection between like you know music in the form of storytelling, in the form of a visual a, a visual representation and just the the tie in there you know what i mean um and then like kind of understanding a bit like the cinematic feelings that that certain scores elicit you know what i mean like danny elfman doing like the batman 1989 score or like um whoever i really feel bad that i don't remember this person's name but whoever was doing the scores for Star Wars movies and, and shit uh, like that. That's John Williams who did the score. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, it's just like, I think a lot of my favorite storytelling songs, it, 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 it feels like a movie. So I, I think I started seeing the connection there and then honestly, and you're going to laugh probably, but the show entourage seeing how great, like the, the music supervision on that was, and how like like it just made me more hype for certain moments in the show when they would pick the right songs um so i think i don't think there was ever like a light bulb moment for me i think it was just kind of like understanding over time the the connection between cinema and and music you know right totally and you know like and like you said i was going to laugh at entourage and i'm not a fan of entourage but I have to give it up because like their their music supervision was always really dope. They always had great needle drops. Like needle drop yeah. music cues will really change the way you watch anything. It'll make it'll make something hit or not hit. It depends, you know. And like Entourage is definitely one of those shows that 
you could tell they paid special attention to the music they played in it and like the people they had on the show. And I always got to give them respect for that. Even if, even if turtle, even if turtle's not one of my favorite people on planet earth, you, you know? didn't like turtle. Why didn't you like turtle? I don't know. I, 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 I might, I, I honestly might not have just, I might. Cause I, cause I, the last time I watched entourage was when the movie came out. Cause I screened it. Mm back when i used to like do film critic shit for real that movie was was terrible um i just don't like his face i think that's it you know like i was just talking to my jerry ferrera you don't like jerry ferrera's face yeah i was just talking to my sister about this a couple hours ago just like not this specifically but just like the general idea of just like people with like punchable faces you know like they've never done anything wrong to you it just like you, you just look at them and you're just like Mm, like <laughs> nah, I, feel you. I feel you you know yeah. who has no i'm not gonna say who i think he has a punchable face I'll, I'll get i'll get dragged on twitter for it i'm not gonna say tell, it. tell me later tell me later <laughs> okay uh martin short maybe <laughs> you'll, maybe you'll edit that part out i don't know i'll, I'll, I'll edit it out it's all good <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah martin but 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 I'll say it too, just so we have it. Martin Short does have a punchable face. He's funny, and I like him, but he's got a punchable face. That's 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 for damn sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, you're good. Um, so so you know, like as so, you know, like as you grow up and you become you know a young man, make making make, making your way in the world. When did you when did you first uh? When did you first know that like rap or like hip hop culture would become something more than just like a hobby and a thing that you loved and it was like a thing you wanted to work in for real? I think that's a big question. Um, I think over time, it was definitely one of those overtime things like organic uh, evolution for me because like mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to be a DJ. Um, I was just really fascinated by dj premiere and and gangstar records and and understanding like how is he doing that you know what i mean and then seeing it on Mm -hmm. on film like how he's doing it and then you know saving up for turntables um in high school and getting turntables and like getting like those how-to dvds or vhs tapes and trying to teach myself how to do it like studying like the executioners or, or, you know, or DJ Babu and trying to figure out how to do certain scratches. And so that was like my first point of entry with like wanting to DJ and then, you know, starting, uh, you know, getting to know journalist 103 in Detroit and getting to know producer Apollo Brown and Apollo. um, So I started out as journalist 103's DJ. He's a legendary MC um, he worked with with Big Proof, rest in peace. Uh, there's a song called Broken with Journalist 103, Big Proof, uh, Moo, and it was produced by House Shoes. And it was a, a huge record in Detroit. Like, it was really big, um, like, cult classic, you know. And uh, I was a fan of that record in high school, so I didn't meet journalists till like, college. And then I started DJing for him, and we struck up a friendship. And... Um, Apollo Brown was a big fan of journalists and just told, told him like, let's start a group. Let's do an album. And then, you know, I got brought in as the DJ to do some cuts and also be like the tour DJ for shows and stuff. 
and the group was called the left and we made yeah. an album we made an album called gas mask and it got picked up by mellow music group so that was my my point of entry into music on like a professional level and i think from there it just evolved into like wanting to learn about different things in the business and being and then becoming like interested and fascinated by those things and wanting to do those things like um starting an indie label called left of center um through fat beats that i did for a few years for like four or five years and you know managing artists uh like when i was managing nolan the ninja ty ferris a minus you know so like shout out to all three of them they're extra yeah. fucking dope oh, yeah. all three of them no th- th- that's all family right there man and they're all, mm-hmm. they're all like doing their they're all like doing their things and and, and thriving respectively on their own terms man uh, i i love that for them um so yeah so so naturally it just became an evolution of like I'm good at these things and I'm being exposed to these things and I want to do these things. And um, shout out to Jim Drew uh, at Soul Spasm. He gave me like my first like industry title, industry job as digital label manager for Soul Spasm, which is uh, a distributor based in Williamsburg. Um, and, you know, they put out like Marco Polo, they put out uh what else did they put out? AG from DITC. Um, yeah. They did. They distribute a lot of stuff, but um, they were my. They they are still my digital distributor for Left to Center. Um, and yeah, Jim gave me a job, and that just snowballed from there. You know, like I was uh, right. working at, working at AWOL for a short while. I I had, I had a freelance job doing some stuff for E1 through Havana Joe. Um, freelance for the orchard for some stuff uh, um i continue to do artist management uh managing producer trucks shout out, out to trucks <laughs> co-managing co-managing um uh jay nicks out shout of miami out to nicks also yeah. <laughs> co-managing with havana joe and then also um in a in a more unofficial capacity, managing Joe Spano out of Detroit as well. Yep, shout out to um, Spano as well. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, just like and then you know, streaming manager for for the DSP marketing team at uh, Secretly Distribution. So, yeah. Um, I I don't think it was like, like because there's there's some folks who they're like, they have a clear roadmap, you know, of what they want to do. And, and, you know, they, they start interning in college and then they might intern a little bit more outside, like after college and then, you know, get a coordinator role and then get a manager role and then get a director role. And then there's one day they're like the VP, you know, of their department. You right. Know I mean? Yeah. So, so like work that, up from that, the mailroom type shit. Yeah. yeah. That, that point of entry wasn't there for me, not because I didn't, not because I knew about those things and just said, Oh, I don't want those things. It's because I really didn't know about all these different vast music industry roles until I started like rolling with Apollo Brown and seeing like all these different things, you know? Um, Like I, like it really changed my perspective when I had money in my pocket from doing like two weeks in Europe and seeing like all these people, like connecting with the things that we were doing at that time you know what i mean and and just it it totally changed my perspective from like 
okay, this isn't just a hobby. Like, like you can really make money off of this and enjoy what you're doing, you know? And, and my job, obviously it, it's work. You know what I mean? I think people make that assumption that like, just cause you work in music, it's not work. It is work. So like, I'm going to be like a bit stressed or feeling a bit under pressure about a deadline, but it doesn't mean I'm not enjoying my job. It just means right. that like, like, Hey, I got this deadline and I, I got to finish it. You know what I mean? So, yeah. But at the end um, of the day, it's still a job. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. yeah I, no, I feel just, like, yeah, no, I'm sorry to cut you off. I just feel like no, I explain good. that to people. I explain that to people all the time. And it's just like, you know, like we enjoy what we do working in music and working in media, but like this shit is work. Like, absolutely. <laughs> um, but not nah, so you know, like you, you, you just ran through way more than I expected you to. Sorry. And I, no, 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 no. That's not bad at all. Cause there were two, there were two things that I had written down specifically that I wanted to talk to you about. And one of them was working on gas mask with the left because, Mm -hmm. uh, because, because I remember first hearing gas mask. I told this to Apollo when I had him on the show, maybe about a month ago. And I I remember hearing um, the melody and just being like, damn, Mm -hmm. what the fuck is this? You know? Um, and then, um, so like, so, I mean, like that's so like that album means quite a bit to me as I'm sure it does to the three of y'all and it does to a lot of other people. So like, talk to me real quick. Cause like you already mentioned just kind of like touring with Apollo and just kind of like how, how like that whole process kind of gave you perspective. Like talk to me a little bit more about like creating gas mask and like working with journalists, working with Apollo and like how just like give me a little window into how that project came together because it's sure it means a lot you know (laughs) um there was like there was a list of like features and people that apollo and journalists wanted to be on the album and it would happen pretty much every weekend for that time until it was done we would get up at lab cab in royal oak which was a home studio um shout out to tate uh the homie Tate um, had that studio in the basement of his crib. And yeah, artists, like all the features on the album would come through there. Like Guilty Simpson came through there to do lay down his verse. Marv One came through there to lay down his verse. Like nothing was, was like no features were like mailed, like emailed over. Like they all came to the studio to cut those. So it was like, I was sitting on the couch when Guilty came through to do his verse. Same thing with Marv. Like it was all... Um, just like really organic, like everybody who we, who Apollo and journalists had asked to be on the record genuinely wanted to be on the record. Like Marv and journalists go back decades, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. and, and Marv and Apollo, Apollo are cool too. Like they're, they're, they're fam. So um, it was just a really organic, fun experience, you know, um, uncle P and, and Pat from uh, DetroitRap.com they came through to like check it out and they had some, some, uh, some folks in town from Europe, you know, who like came to, to check out the sessions too. So it, it was just a really fun time, man. That was like, that recording process is one of the funnest times in my life, man. Like, I think the only thing that I was, that didn't re- get recorded there was the, the scratches I did on the first song. That's the only thing that didn't get recorded there. I, I did those at, at another studio, but everything else was all done at Lab Cab and Royal Oak. And then um, it was mixed at the disc by my man Magnetic, 
who basically like he's mixed like everybody's shit like danny brown big sean elzai um he's an incredible engineer um Mm -hmm. so he mixed he mixed that he mixed that and then it was mastered at um it was mastered by eric morgison i can't remember the name of the studio but I think it was like studio a or something i can't remember the name of it i have to look it up it's it's just been it's been so long you know what i mean right yeah so it was like 2010 2011 well the record came out in 2010 um I, yeah no it did <laughs> it's just my memory <laughs> is so foggy sometimes looking back right. at some of those events but no that was pretty much the creative process like apollo would, would cook up the beats journalists would like pick them um, or at least I think that's how it went. Um, Cause like, you know, th- that creative process between producer and MC, it's a little personal. So that might've been like their own thing, you know? So I don't know for sure if it's like Apollo came to him and was like, these are the beats. But I do think that he made batches with journalists in mind and let journalists like go through them and select okay. which ones he, he wanted to be like rapping to on the on the album um but i i just i just do know that like uh it was just a very organic process you know right and it comes through in the music honestly you know like it it it, like i think i think that's why that project is still the test of time the way it has and why people revere it the way they do because like y'all were really tapped in with each other and it mm-hmm. really shows in the work, you know, like, you, you know, like people don't go and travel Europe and tour albums that don't connect with people, you know? Yeah. So like that, that, that's like, that's, I mean, you don't need me to tell you that, but that's, that's, that's special. And, you know, like you do that and you're DJing at, um, at this point and eventually you decide to, you decide to start with left to center and start distributing and start your own label um and like what was so, so like what was that early process like for you and you know like coming and like you mentioning earlier that you didn't really know that much about well 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 like you 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 kind of just like learning on the job in a lot of ways so like how did yeah. it feel to go from how did it feel to go from being like how did it go from kind of working as like a dj to kind of going into label management and artist management and like what was that transition like and where did the idea to do left to center come from um well a few a few different places to be honest like so shout out to uh chris oric he used to go by a different name but i'm not gonna say Uh, it on here because those motherfuckers um Mm -hmm. but uh yeah those right-wing motherfuckers but yeah he 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 uh he came to new york for a press run so like he crashed at my crib and i was essentially like taking him around to different places just because he didn't like he wasn't as fully familiar with how to navigate new york so i was like okay cool what's the address okay all right i got you so like he went up to vibe um went up to sirius xm for for tony touch and um you know, just just like I, I'd been through that process before. I know how how what you're supposed to do when you check in at the Sirius XM office. I know where the address is. And like so I just made sure that he didn't have to do anything and we just would chill and we chilled in the green room until it was time for him to go to 
the studio with Tony for the, for the recording for the show, uh, not recording, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah, the taping, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so like a few of the homies, um, my roommate at the time, Jay Norm, and then also Chris, they both said like, you're good at this. Like, and I just didn't understand like what that, what, what that good at, like that, what that was, you know what I mean? Yeah, I what the understand. is was, yeah. Totally. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so, I mean, looking back now, I, I understand that it's like managing project flow or managing talent like project management talent management so that kind of um just added to to like the spark of wanting to see what else it is that i could do and so so starting left to center in the beginning it was pretty easy for the most part with getting it off the ground just because uh i had built up enough like press contacts to send the music to like yourself uh mm -hmm. and, and watch loud and jerry barrow you know shout out to um, jerry <laughs> yeah so so like uh at the time i put together a dj compilation and um i told fat beats like this is my my vendor name this is my imprint that i want to put this out under can you guys do distro for me cool we did physicals digital um and then i just let them know like i have more things i want to put out and that ushered in putting out records for nolan the ninja um mm -hmm. and yeah in the early days like it was definitely my like label but i would be remiss to not shout out dart adams because he he, yep, shout out to like, dart he helped he, yeah he helped a lot with like bios liner notes getting a second second you know set of ears on music sending music getting a second opinion on like track sequencings um you know what i mean like like in those early days it was really really dope and really cool to have like an extra hand you know what i mean of, of help mm -hmm. um but yeah no getting it off the ground it it's hard to maintain a label sometimes i think especially like when you're doing physical and digital um and, and just really figuring out how to build that out but it, it wasn't like i can't really think of any huge challenges you know to getting it going um i think having distribution like a distribution uh situation set up like really helped move things along for sure right and then of course you know like you mentioned it's hard to maintain and then after a while you wind up putting it on ice for a little bit just to kind of just to kind of, you know, like, you know, like life transition, right? Life transitional shit. And at this point, you're, um, you're thinking, or not thinking, you are, you are reviving it. And, yeah, no, I'm bringing it back in 2023. You know, I'm so happy to hear that because now, nah, like, yeah, because like now I got to tell the story. The first time we met, you had reached out to me on Twitter and you had just put out, um, um, you just put out the domino effect and um i still have i still have all those extra cds you gave me oh word like 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 i i have at least three or four of them there's somewhere in my room right now and i have the final too like it, it's a uh, nice. so you know like you see like you had reached out and um you were the very first interview that i did it like like the first one ever that i did at watch loud and um you know like i like i hadn't you know, like I had had experience doing interviews before at that point, but, you know, like 
to me, from where I was standing, you were someone who had experience and you were putting all this shit together. I, I know you're shaking your head at me right now, but like, listen, you from from what I could see, you had all your shit together. And I was like, this dude is really dope. He put together this really cool project with all these really dope artists. And I was just like, wow, like, look at him go, you know? And I was just like, <laughs> Thanks, really, I, nah, for real. I was like, I was just really happy to see. It just, it just kind of felt cool to be talking to somebody who had some sort of, you know, you had some sort of foot in the door, you know? And I was just like, damn, like, this is, you know, like for you to be reaching out to me, I was like, damn, like, who the fuck am I, you know? And, um, you know, like, it, like, like left to center, it clearly meant a ton to you at that point, especially with the people you were working with at that time, like Nolan. And to see it come back at this point, it's just like, it feels full circle, not just for me and my bullshit, but just because, you know, like this is your baby. And I'm yeah, just man. happy that you're at a point where, you feel like you're ready to start distributing and labeling again type shit, you know? I mean, it's gonna, I mean, well, I won't be distributing. I'm, I'm, I'll have a, I have a distributor for that. So, yeah. Um, but it, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, I just uh, meant the labeling part. Just, no, 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 you're, you're good, man. You're good. I just, it's, uh, it's gonna be different than it was before. Um, we're not focusing on doing physicals at the moment, we're just gonna do digital. Which right. is cool. I, I have a, I feel like I have a pretty good understanding on, on how to market in the digital landscape. Like it's what I get paid a salary to do. You know what I mean? So, yeah. um, so like, I, I feel like the way it's going to look is going to be different. I'm not really focused on signing artists, you know, I'm more focused on signing projects. So mm -hmm. we're, we're going to have a project with, uh, with Marcel Allen shout out uh, to marcel bro that's, that's yeah, the guy with, right there with with trucks producing all the beats um joe spano with all the beats produced by trucks um fat boy sean out of texas mm -hmm. shout um, out to sean too he's dope yeah and those those are like yeah that's like a teaser of some of the things that that will be coming but yeah i'm definitely concentrating on signing projects not just hip-hop either like it's gonna mm -hmm. it's one of those things where yeah like it'll be offshoots of hip-hop it'll be in that same wheelhouse but like don't be surprised if i put out like a jazz album you know like oh man fuck it yeah whatever so, works i i just like i felt like uh when i started it it was just a different time and i was on a different type of time at, at that time so it was a different type of type of vibe different type of structure different type of music so you know right and you know like now you're back at it and you're just like just it's just really dope to see you reinvent it's just it's just dope to see you reinvent the uh um the label and just kind of have it as a because and, and and like especially considering that that's like that's like the wave right now is kind of it's kind of like independent like independent labels signing people to projects as opposed to like signing like you know, like contracts in, yeah. in, in, in like a, in like a career sense, you know? Um, and I love, um, I love that model just, j just in the sense of like the freedom that it gives everybody involved. Um, and it's really cool to see you kind of adapt that for this thing that you created 
you know, like some years back at this point. And it's actually a nice little segue into this next question I have for you, which is, you know, like the fact that like you've held, you know, you've held so many positions and done so many jobs and shaken so many hands over the course of the last. Doesn't feel um, like it. You, you, you have, bro. Don't, don't, don't be modest. Like, <laughs> I got you. I got you. I all, all, all that, all that. No, of course, all that shit you just said. So it's just like, you've, you know, like you've occupied so many different roles in all this shit. And just because I'm curious, like, for you kind of moving from, like, the late 90s and the early 2000s to now, like, this is another big question, but, like, what's the biggest or most significant change that you've seen the music industry go through over, um, 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 A, there's that, and then B, what's the thing that you're surprised to stay the same over the course of your career? Okay. This is really hard. Um, well, the thing that changed, well, I mean, obviously, well, there's the obvious one, you know, the transition from physical sales of CDs to like streaming, like that's the obvious one, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but it, it is a cool evolution seeing like it evolve from like buying a single for 99 cents on iTunes. Obviously iTunes still exists, but you know, to, to this expansive streaming model of like title amazon music youtube music spotify apple music you know what i mean so that's yeah, that's audio definitely mac and shit. Yeah, totally. audio mac as well shout out to audio mac that's definitely Always. interesting um and it's just like so the thing that i'll say stayed the same is uh shit for it to have a really lasting cultural impact, the music still has to be good and it still has to connect. I think that that's the thing that has stayed the same because um, I won't name records. I won't name artists. There are some that had a moment, but I don't think they'll be talked about 30 years from now. Yeah. So I think that that's the, the thing that stayed the same. Like, we're still talking about thriller. Yeah. We're still talking about songs in the key of life. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I think that's the thing that stayed the same is that still has to be good and resonate with people to have that, that lasting cultural impact. Right. Totally. And you know, like I just, um, um, I just wrote this, I just wrote this review of Wu-Tang's 36 chambers um, or enter the Wu-Tang 36 chambers. I'm mm -hmm. so used to just calling it enter the 36 chambers, but like, but like I say that to say that like that album's about to turn 30 years old and like the connection that it had, the connection that it made, not just with fans, but just like on rap in general, like, like if that album doesn't exist, at least three or four different movements don't happen, you know, yeah. like, you, you, you know, like, you're like, that I don't, you like Gambino era, that mafioso era right Cuban, Cuban links that doesn't happen without thirty. Yeah. yeah you know what I mean so yeah yeah exactly and just uh, yeah and just like it's like and just like the different ways of production because like of course like RZA RZA and them had some severe limitations at that firehouse studios like it wasn't you know like a lot of that came from just the fact that they were dealing with shitty equipment yeah but like but like people wanted but people have wanted and still want to replicate that sound 30 years later, you know, like, you know, like to a certain extent, I would even argue that like, that like Dilla as we know him might not exist without RZA, 
you know like people talk about him and q-tip a lot but like i see so many similarities between what dilla and rizza do that it's like just kind of crazy you know like just like just 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 in terms of like sound and feel and um yeah you know like just i hope that's not sacrilegious you got to look in your eye <laughs> but um I'm, I'm just not i'm just not gonna say that i agree with it because i don't fine. but but that's, that's fine we don't have to get into it but for the sake that people don't come from me i gotta make it clear that i don't agree with that <laughs> so i i I understand. Maybe, maybe I'm tripping. Um, but, uh, you know, I just think like, it's just why, yeah, no, like I, but I say all of that to say, I say all of that to say that you're, um, that you're absolutely right. Just like, just like music needs to connect to people. Mm -hmm. And when it connects to people, like that's when it, that's, that's how it lives and that's how it spreads. And that's how it really, uh, that's how it establishes, you know, just like, you know, like that's, you know, like that's how like dynasties and legacies are formed, you know, like that's why we're talking about Stevie Wonder, you know, like his music is bordering on 40, 50 years old at this point, you know, like we're still talking about like, it's just really wild to be at an age where you just realize how important it is that stuff connects in that way, you know, cause like things can connect to you when you're when you're like a certain age and feeling a certain way about the world but Mm -hmm. for you to still go back and listen to stuff that you love and for it to either either to like you learn new things or you just like appreciate an old thing in a different way like that's special you know and so i still go back to life after death a lot and listen to that album a lot man to me that's the perfect rap album by the way Mm mm-hmm um i mean i mean it's a great album like you know i i can't even i can't even front there i so this is what i mean by how i think it's and and i'll let you get to your next question after this i'm sorry no but but, but to me please no to me to me the reason why it's the perfect album is biggie is my favorite rapper first of all but also um it just covered so many bases like there are party songs on there there's storytelling songs on there there's songs where he's just, you know, he's just barring the fuck up. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. There's there's songs about life, like instru- inspirational songs, like Sky's the Limit, songs about loss, miss you. You know what I mean? Like, he co- he really covered a lot of ground on that album. The production's great. The features yeah. are great. Only thing I would have done without is having R. Kelly on there. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, Even back when everyone loved him, yeah. No, nah, fuck that guy. But uh, yeah, it was it, to me. It's it's a it's a great rap album. It's a perfect rap album. So yeah, n- I see why. You know, um, I uh, there are a couple of the skits that a couple of the skits are just kind of like meh to me. But like the songs are great. You know, yeah, like you didn't like you didn't like play a hater. I love. No, no, no. I love that. (laughs) I like the, let me, let me, let me, let me put it this way. I like the skits. I like the skits on life after death more than I do on ready to die. Okay. If that makes sense. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't need to hear anybody fucking on record ever again. I just don't, I don't need to hear it. No, no, no. I I get it. Get it. But, um, but no, man, life after death is just, 
it's like it like it's one of those things where like I've listened to it at I've listened to it a bunch, but I haven't listened to it front to back in years. And yeah. it's just like I know I know when I go back to it, it's all just gonna like hit me in the chest. And I'm yeah. kind of I'm kind of excited about that because like I think about kicking the door a lot, but it's, it's like song. not but it's not something that I ever like. I always think to myself like, damn, I want to go listen to that right now, and then I never do. But then when oh, it happens, man. it's it, it's just all gonna like. It's just gonna run into my shit, and it's gonna be great. Yeah, Marcel. Marcel cracks me up on Twitter, man. I feel like, I feel like Marcel Allen tweeted the other like, like last week, like, oh, I just found out that on kicking the door, Biggie was dissing Nas, like, <laughs> just totally sarcastic. But I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember if it was him, but he he be tweeting some funny shit, man. Yeah, no, nah, Marcel's. Mar- Marcel's a riot once again, you know, alum, alum, alum of the show, alum of the show. Yeah. Yo, man, me, him, Havana Joe, Marcus J. Moore, we all went and got lunch at Decal Market, man. Yeah. He had us dying, bro. He he's just a really awesome, genuine dude, but he's funny as fuck. He will have yeah. you rolling. Yeah, he's hilarious. I've never met him in person, but like that's the guy, and I'm hoping to meet him in person at some point. Him and him and um him and Thelonious and uh, Thelonious Martin and Jacob Roster's project that came out earlier this year is really incredible, and I'm like sad more people don't know about it. You know, like, yeah, I did no, what I could, amazing. but like <laughs> I did what I could, but yeah. I just like just like just like for him for him to get Boldy James and Havoc on his debut project is nuts. Like that yeah. alone is like you know like he's he's he means business and he's gonna be here for a while and i can't wait to see what y'all do together like you know like the definitely, three of y'all man. like you him and trox like that's gonna be nuts no um, definitely yeah he, he gave me a ride home uh after lunch and just i was playing them trox beats in the car and just yeah man it was it was dope mm-hmm. man oh i love to hear that damn no definitely um but what's it called like Uh, I'm just trying to I'm just like I'm just trying to think about where else I want to go with this because like we talk so often that yeah. I feel like uh y- like you ever just get in like a professional setting with someone and you feel like you know like, you know, like whenever y'all are just like talking yeah. like every everything just kind of comes up and it just like happens and then when you're in a professional setting and it's like time to ask a question it's mm-hmm. just like, what do I want to say to you? Like, I don't like, <laughs> you know, yeah, but you're nah. kind of like a loss for words. Like, like you draw a blank. You don't know like what. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. But like, I just, uh, I really, I, I really did spend a significant grip of today. Just like thinking about our relationship and like how far the both of us have come over the course of the last like six or seven years. And um, I'm just proud of you. You know, like, I guess Likewise, I'm just going to take man. this time to say that I'm just like really proud of you and just like everything you've done and everything you've accomplished and everything you're going to accomplish. You know, like I just. Uh, yeah. And I was also thinking um, um, I was also thinking about when you and I went to go see old. Um, oh, yeah. In, yeah, in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just shout like out, shout out to Cobble Hill Theater. Yeah, for real. I hadn't really been over to Cobble Hill, at least not for a while before that. And like, we just like, we just got tacos and fucking 
went to go see old and just like riffed on it the whole time and sucked man that move that like i had so much fun with that movie but it was so bad like, what was that? What was that dude's name? Like midsize sedan. Midsize sedan. Why is his rap name midsize sedan? Like, I don't know. I like 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 I. There was like there was a period of time where I thought there must have been like a rap supervisor on there or something, or at least I'd hope there was a rap supervisor on there because it's just like, where did you come up with that name? Like why midsize sedan? Like I can't like like I I can't think of any rap name ever that's as like create like you know like e- you know, like even someone like uh even someone like riffraff you know like just like why 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 mid-size sedan like why not full-size sedan you know like and i'm so happy i'm like but but then again i guess credit credit where it's due that we didn't have to hear him play any music because like i was afraid that as soon as they as soon as they announced who he was and said that the kids were like in love with him, that they were going to like play music and like, they like made music for the movie. Thankfully yeah. they didn't do that. But like, why yeah. bro? <laughs> yeah, man. Why? So, yeah. yeah. No, like, yeah, no, we got, we got, we got, we, we got fucking ISIS at the end. It was, it was, it was a good ass day. That was, that was, that was, that was just a very, very, very good day. Yeah, man. And then, um, so yeah, last Saturday the the Rock Marciano Alchemist show at Elsewhere. Yeah, I think I think the I think before that the last time I saw you was was in June at my wedding. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, man. That was a beautiful day. Like, <laughs> thanks, man. I'm I'm glad I'm glad you and Des could could show up and make it. Absolutely, it was, it was absolutely, having, bro. It was dope having you all there. Oh, I'm so happy. I was um. Yeah. Then, at, yeah. Then at the very end of the day, you changed into your fucking, you changed into your fucking, um, um, um your Duke Jordans, which I have my pair right up there. Oh yeah, and man. I had, was... to, I had to put the J's on, man. I had the, I had the, uh, I had the, the dress shoes on long enough, you know? Right. Like, all right. We're married. We're, we're having dinner. Like the DJ is playing some shit. Let me put my J's mm-hmm. on. Like, I, let me get comfortable. You know. Yeah. Every yeah. Everything could be casual at that point. You know. Yeah. Like I, you know, like I had really wanted to smuggle mine in just so I could like do that too. But like, one day, one day, one day, we're gonna have to pop out in the fucking matching Duke University J's. No, no, of course, man, of course. <laughs> oh, damn! Sorry, I just, I just, I just got real sentimental there for a second. Um, nah, but good. nah, like you all, like you already know, I could talk to you for hours. But my very last question for you to wrap this up is, um, sure. Eric Soko, if your life was a movie, what would it be about? What would the movie be about? What would the movie be about? like a movie that exists no like oh yeah no if you were to like take your life and turn it into a movie what would it be about uh damn this is a hard ass question for the last question bro like (laughs) sorry (laughs) um what would it be about what would my movie be about like would it be it it could be a biopic about my life um yeah yeah like it could be that like i've had you know like i've had people tell me that like their life would be like some sort of crazy fast and furious type action movie or something like that you know oh like, i'd want to be a fucking superhero man i'd want there to be you like, go like like uh 
like the Asian Batman or something without like mm-hmm. my parents getting killed, you know? <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, no, man. we don't yeah, no, we don't need that. Fucking um what would uh would you have powers or would you not have powers? Which nah, would you prefer? Have, I just have money and I I make gadgets or buy gadgets, like go to go to Lowe's and buy a bunch of <laughs> parts and make shit. And hopefully I'd be super smart in the movie, you know, mm-hmm. would you be, would you be, would you be Batman specifically or would you want to be your own thing? Um, I'd want to be Batman esque, you know, like, okay. My yeah. own, my own superhero, but you know, like some similarities to the dark Knight, you know? Mm-hmm. Damn. <laughs> I could see it too. Honestly, Stop like, nah, nah, I could see it. <laughs> You just, you just, you 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 just, you just like, like, like without the without the brutes without the brutality though, man. Do you know how many? Yeah. Batman were a cop. Do you know how many complaints, brutality complaints he would have had? Like, yeah, I I don't want to be like, (laughs) yeah, without that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Bat Batman's already basically just like a what cop. Yeah, Yeah. like I want to break his arm for jaywalking. You know right yeah nah just like you know like he's like he's just like a self-appointed cop at this point and just like we love batman and you know like he don't don't really fuck with the cops like that though just no he doesn't just just gordon but at the same time he has like this moral compass this self-righteous moral compass of like good Mm -hmm. and bad or like you know what i mean he's definitely not a mental health advocate i can tell you that much (laughs) like you know so yeah he said you're depressed <laughs> what's depression take this take yeah. this take this bread like <laughs> nah but but my thing is like so my thing that I, I think a lot of uh people who are really into superheroes like i think sometimes they don't understand that the characters are flawed you know what i mean and it's mm-hmm. like they're not real people you can you can critique real people and you can critique imaginary people. Like I'm a right. big, I'm a big Batman fan. You know what I mean? Like I grew up reading the comics. I still collect the comics to this day. Like, but I'm not going to sit here and be like, yo, Batman is not problematic. Like that motherfucker is problematic, bro. Like, like he's absolutely son. beating the shit out of people, like yeah. beating the shit out of people who, who should be uh, seeking psychiatric help. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, like, yeah, like, I feel like I said this before, but like, do you know how desperate you have to be to work for someone like the Joker? Like, oh, like, man. like, you know, like, you know, like CVS, is, CVS isn't hiring, UPS not hiring. I'm gonna go work for the Joker. Like, that's yeah. crazy, son. Like, oh my God. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe the Joker has a really good health insurance plan for his employees. I don't know. Maybe yeah. I, I would, you know, like I would hope so, you know, like he he's feel, like burning. He feels like, a, um, possibly though, maybe not. He kind of feels like a Cigna employer. I feel like Cigna's okay, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, hey. I mean, I mean, low key health first is pretty good. So I remember, I remember when I got like after I lost my job, like for the first few months, I had health first that medicaid man that shit was actually mm. pretty good so that's that's beautiful i miss yeah. health insurance sometimes i'm a, i'm a, i'm a, i'm gonna get it back soon 
Oh uh, man, I I just I just like officially officially got health insurance back when I started it secretly. So that shit is clutch. Damn, dude. Shout out to you. That's beautiful. Nah, man. Like I've lived on the edge, not having health insurance for a while. I've had like health insurance light, aka Medicaid, you know, and mm-hmm. then like having like for real, for real health insurance again. Um it's cool. Definitely a flawed system, but uh I'm glad I have health insurance again right yeah welcome yeah welcome back to the land of the insured type shit <laughs> yeah man no i can i can take more risks now you know what i mean Come i can on. skip skip down a few steps when i'm leaving yeah. the house without you can, worrying you can, about breaking my leg you can you can you can go out and buy yourself some batman wings and jump off and jump off a fucking 30-story building and uh, glide down and fuck your shit up no nah, <laughs> like, man no man uh-uh, uh-uh. um do it Nah. <laughs> but yeah, man, what what are what are your final thoughts before we conclude the interview though? Damn. So my final thoughts are that um I appreciate you being here and I appreciate um I appreciate your uh I appreciate the ear you give me for just about everything, you know, like um and it's been really beautiful connecting with you, not just about music but about pretty much everything, you know, like, you you know, like, I think, I think it's like, I think, I think it'd be safe to say that you're one of the best friends I've made out of this industry. And like someone that I've like, it's just kind of been like a foundational friendship for me working through all of this and just to kind of just like geek out with you about toys and just like meet people through you. And just like, you've just been, you, you've just been an incredibly positive influence on my life. And, Likewise, man. Um, oh, yeah. I just really, um, I just really appreciate you being here. And I appreciate that you, uh, I just appreciate, I appreciate how much you enjoy all this because there are a yeah. lot of people, there are a lot of people that I talk to and I have conversations with who like, you can tell people enjoy things obviously, but like, your enjoyment of all this shit is so pure to me and just oh, like, man, so, thanks. um, you know, you know, like just, just, just like even the way you talk about Detroit and me bringing up the Riza Dilla thing and you just being like, you know, like just, just like, just, just, just so people don't come for me. Like you care, you care about where you come from. You care about the area, the general area that you yeah. represent in ways that people don't really anymore. And no, I always appreciated that about you, like from the moment that we met and connected. So just thank you for that. No, you know? thank you, man. And, and likewise, like it's all love, bro. I really appreciate you appreciate your platform and you having me on your platform and everything that you do at Pitchfork, all the publications that, that is privileged to ha- have your pen be lent to them. You know, um, I appreciate that. Um, and yeah, man uh to set the record straight i think yeah i think me being out in brooklyn for like it'll be 11 years in april mm-hmm. i want to say i think the i think there's a misconception that like i don't uh have like love for michigan or the detroit hip-hop scene anymore but i very much do so i, I definitely right. want that to come across in this interview for sure yeah. And I think it does, you know, like you, you know, like you, you've always been someone who knows your history and I know you do. Like, I know, you know, like, I know the love you have, like, but I get it. Yeah, you no, know? there, there would be no me without the Detroit hip hop community. And that's just a fact. 
Um, right. There'd be no me in, in the, in the, in the way that I am now, you know, in, in terms of music, in terms of career without the Detroit hip hop community. So I, I, I have a lot of gratitude for that, but at the same time, I also have a lot of gratitude for the city of New York too. Like, like right. I've shown nothing but respect for, for New York, you know, being here and just, I love living here. And, um, you know, I, I feel like I've been adopted into this city and, and just, yeah, man, there's, there's a lot of great things about, about both cities, to be honest. So, mm-hmm. um, I feel like I'm, I've, I've, really soaked up like the best of all worlds to be quite honest i feel it you know like it's like an integral part of your come up and you know like you're here and you're established and you know just like i'm just really proud of all that you've accomplished and just like the fact that you're here and still kicking so just thank no, you man of, of course man <laughs> nah we don't fold man like you know both of us been through ups and downs just mm-hmm. in our careers in our respective careers and in, in life man we don't fold that's just not who we are you know so never ever ever thanks for listening shout out to y'all for making it this far and shout out to all the black people listening too because y'all really impeccable don't forget to like subscribe and tell a friend to come through next time one